This episode of the Boss Builder Podcast is brought to you by Boss Builder Academy. If you are a newly promoted supervisor, somebody who's in the role and struggling, or even somebody who's thinking about one day making the transition to management, it is an overwhelming and stressful job. To help you out, please check out our Boss Builder Academy. Our Boss Builder Academy gives you the knowledge and skills you need to be a successful boss through a series of videos and guided discussions. It's something that you can do in as little as five minutes per day, and it will give you practical, tangible, tactical skills so you can be a great boss. For more information, check us out at www.thebossbuilders.com or call us at 931-221-2988. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you new to supervision, those of you in the role and struggling, and those of you who are thinking about one day making that big step up into management. As the boss, you know that one of your biggest challenges is having conversations. I know it seems like a basic thing. You should be able to communicate with your direct reports, and many of you do. But the challenge is, are we having good conversations? Are we having productive conversations? And so today, we're going to learn about that. Our guest today is Ann Hawkins. Now, Ann is a colleague of mine. She's a friend. She's a fellow road warrior and travels around and she works with groups in all different industries, helping them get better. Now, Anne's an expert in this particular subject, and so we're going to ask her a bunch of questions. She's going to give us some great information, great advice. Anne is one of our best facilitators at Boss Builders, so it's very important that we have her on the show just so you can see what you're getting into if one day you have the privilege of having Anne come out to do a workshop for you. She's got a nice step-by-step guide on how to get you to where you need to be with conversations. So let's quit talking about Anne. Let's talk to her. Here's our special guest, Anne Hawkins. Anne Hawkins, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good afternoon, Mac. How are you? Hey, I'm really good, and it's really, it's been a while. We've wanted to do this for some time, but I finally was able to get you in between gigs. You're very busy. You travel all over the country doing different types of training for managers. And so today's topic is called Practicing Open Conversations for Managers, and I could think of nobody better to talk about that than you. I've got a bunch of questions for you, but before we get to those, Anne, I was hoping you could share something about your background with us. Uh, thanks, Mac. Um, I am one of those people that studied anthropology as an undergraduate student um, and then on to grad school. Um, so I'm a, a liberal arts person at heart. And one day I woke up and realized that I would likely have to support myself rather than doing forensic anthropology or reconstructing skeletal collections. Um, I have another degree in planning. Um, I was fortunate to have operated the demand response transit system for the city of New Orleans many years ago, worked for a consulting firm for a long time, and for the last 10 years or so, I have a I have established a consulting firm based in Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, I, I specialize in areas that are compatible with boss builders, so I do a lot of work with managers and leadership development 
Um, I find that what I do is that I offer a different perspective for organizations. I think that's one of the things that happens when one is trained as an anthropologist. I like to look at organizations as a whole, and I really enjoy working with a wide range of clients. Um, it's always a treat to speak with you. It's always a treat to be able to go and be with all the different clients that I've had a chance to work with. And that's what leads us to our conversation today. It's something that you and I have bounced around for a while, and it is, why is it that managers don't practice conversations that they really need to have? Um, I think you've had that experience um, before, a manager who... Um, hasn't really established rapport with one of their direct reports. I'm thinking you've had that experience. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And most of our clients have that same problem. Yep. Um, and, you know, it's it's almost as if people think, well, especially managers, you know, you, you move into a managerial role and for some reason, um, people think like your system mystically know how to do everything, even though it's never been demonstrated before. And I, you and I both know that if you've had a great manager before and you've picked up some good skills and habits that you tend to you tend to recreate those as a manager. And if you have some not effective habits, you do the same thing. Um, but there are a number of different conversations that need to be had. Um, and I want to I want to pick one as an example. And it is, you know, you have gone through the detailed and elaborate process of bringing someone into the organization. You're a manager and it's their first day at work. Um, well, maybe HR does their onboarding training. But what are you as a manager going to do to bring that person into your team? Let's say that you're a new manager and you've got three direct reports and now you're going to have four. Well, it changes the whole nature of how people work together. But how do you really introduce yourself to that person? Um, and, and I want to share with you something that uh, an effective manager shared with me, actually two of them from two different organizations. Um, one comes from a not-for-profit world. The other one comes from a for-profit world. The not-for-profit person welcomes the new employee on board and um, introduces themselves, you know, like, welcome, you know, I'm so excited that you're here. Let's talk about how we're going to work together. Um, and one of the, you know, they have a conversation. Um, then the person says, what I'd like for you to do is go ahead and I want you to think about a couple of questions. One is, you know, it's your first day at work here or maybe your first week. What is it that when you interviewed for this job that you were hoping that you would bring to this organization? Go ahead and write some thoughts down. Then the next question is, um, what really drew you to this organization? And then the third, um, the third question or the third reflection question is, how will you know you've been successful? Um, and, you know, what is it that you're looking to contribute like six months from now? So it's about four questions and the person writes down their answers and then the manager says, are you okay if I make a copy of that for you? The person says, sure. And the manager says, you know, um, well, let's go over expectations. This is how we're going to work together. We're going to meet at this frequency. Um, I want to be clear about expectations. 
Okay, so time goes on and the person, I don't know, after the honeymoon period is over, three months down the road, is a bit discouraged. Well, what the manager does is mails that letter to the employee and reminds them of how great they are as a person and what they hope to contribute. And it helps them relaunch that expectations conversation. Um, when that person shared it with a group, everyone was blown away. They were like, why didn't I ever think to do that? I mean, what a great idea. Um, what a great conversation to have. But what that manager did was established some sort of cadence of a conversation and made it safe for that person to share information. Um, the man, that manager also shared with me and with the group of people we were with that it was a way to um, to help the person should there be a setback. Let's say the organization goes through a change, maybe the job they, they thought they were being hired for, it doesn't quite match, but it's a, a new way to re-level set those expectations. Um, and I said I'd give a second example, and the second example is for from a for-profit world. And what this manager does is um, she it, it's it's like one of those icebreakers that I might use in facilitating a leadership program. But what this manager does is shares um, things like what's your preferred. Um, the manager shares it with the new employee, but also. Um, everyone else on the team. And so the manager is willing to reach out there and be vulnerable, but shares with everybody what their, you know, what their favorite movie is, um, what their favorite song is, and it could be for right now, some information about themselves, and then some real important questions. It is me as a manager and then asking all their employees, when you do a great job, how do you like to be recognized or rewarded? Um, if, you know, what's your favorite candy? Um, I, um, a whole series of questions that helps people get to know each other. Um, the other thing that the manager asks is, are you an email person? Are you a phone person? Are you an in-person person? And this manager has a number of remote employees. And so the manager then can build that rapport that you might be able to do with somebody face-to-face -face, um, virtually. And what this manager has found is that you can really customize that creation of a relationship with this person. So you find out, okay, so somebody does a great job. What they really want from me as a manager is... They would like for me to write a handwritten note on a post-it note and leave it on my cubicle so only I can see it, but my manager knows I did a great job. Um, and that sort of conversation, the, the stuff where we get to know our direct reports and our peers and our managers, really helps establish a good working relationship. Um, so those are the open conversations, some of them that I thought or I've noticed are real important for managers, new managers and existing managers to have, not only with direct reports, also with their manager. And um, recently I was with a client and I found out that managers um, are not giving feedback up 
the line. So they're not letting their manager know when they've done something great or when they've done something that was not as effective as as they, the new manager, might want them to do. But they said, my manager is too busy. And if the manager is too busy, then it's really hard to establish that conversation. Um, and they said, or I schedule a meeting and then my manager blows it off. And, and I, you know, so I think, so what you're telling me as a new manager is you're not being reinforced by your manager to build an effective conversation and work relationship. And then you potentially could be recreating that for people that report to you. Um, and when we came to that realization, you know, everyone said, well, how would I even get it started? Um, so I always say, well, after you've been with me in a training program, you can do weird things for up to six months. <laughs> <laughs> so you can say, I asked you to do it. And I think it's important that you establish regular communication with your boss. Um, you need to get on their calendar. Uh, don't cancel it. If they blow you off, then reschedule or do a plan B. Maybe you record what you want to share with them. The pharmaceutical industry is great for that. You know, managers ride around with their their reps and build a relationship and watch how people interact or watch how their their sales reps deal with their clients and they get a good sense of what's going on. But when they can't do that, pharma reps are asked to record like this was my re week in review. This is what went on. Um, and, and what I've found is managers think when they've been newly appointed or, or they've recently become a manager, they think you're supposed to like know how to do everything. And the bottom line is you don't. However, if you intentionally will practice having open conversations, sometimes I call them frank and honest conversations with your direct reports and your peers and your manager, you got a greater chance for aligning um, and for reaching some goals. Well, it sounds like this is, you've given us two really good examples of how to do it right. And, and interesting how somebody would actually just find out those little bits of information about an employee and then surprise them down the line by their favorite candy bar on the desk or a post-it note. But I would imagine, Anne, that that's not the most common thing you ever see. And maybe your customers are different than, than some of mine. But in most cases, employees complain they don't have enough conversation with their managers. Managers, on the other hand, complain that employees are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And what's not happening in either of these cases is people talking. So the open conversation, it sounds like a rapport builder but how do we do open conversations for people that are not living up to our standards, especially if we're not used um, to doing it? I like the way you phrase that. And what I'm, what I'm thinking is that uh, it's rapport building. It's also practice. Um, I was recently with a client and I tried to get some role play to go on. Um, role play. Role play is like a curse word in a training program. So I very often don't use it. I yes. Use, nobody, nobody ever asked for more role play. Um, I've actually had more people, uh, more people do that frequently than I ever thought would have happened. 
But it is because I make, we, we call it case studies, and I don't often give people a chance to think about it. What I do is we get in the middle of a conversation and someone will share something like this. All right, I've got an employee and they're just a slacker in. Like, you know, they just do the bare minimum of what they're supposed to do. And, you know, I've told them what they need to do, but nothing different is happening. And so I'll say, like in the middle, I'll say, okay, all right, so let's let's go ahead and let's do a gap analysis. It's, it's one of the tools that's offered in Driving for Results, um, so I think people can refer back to it. Um, but it is, you know, what do you really want? And everyone then starts telling me what they don't want. And I say, no, 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 we're, we want perfect world. And so we describe, they want the individual to do one, two, three, four, and five. They want them to be, you know, they describe it, how it would sound, feel, be. Um, and then everyone's saying, everyone in the room or that individual gets all excited. And then they say, oh, yeah, that's what I really want. Um, and then I say, well, what's your existing condition? And we just, we, I, you know, we've already talked about that. We ruminated about it, but we write down some specific observable behaviors. Um, and then the next question is, well, how do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And they say, well, um, I, I think I need to pull together some information and we need to have a conversation. And I'll say, okay, great. So what's your relationship like with this person? How frequently do you talk to them? And they'll say, well, I don't talk to them. You know, I just call them in and tell them when they've screwed up. And I'll say, okay, well, how does that work for you when someone does it? And they'll say, well, you know, I'm motivated because, um, you know, I'm a high achiever, so I don't need anyone to give me feedback. So, okay, all right, that's that's great. But how does someone transmit their expectations to you? And usually people stop for a second and they think, gosh, I don't know. I don't like when was the last time someone did that? And then there's this light bulb moment that goes off. And I'll say, well, if you don't have a relationship with that person coming in, having them come to your space and chewing them out sounds like a trip to the principal's office. I don't think I'd want to go talk to you either. And they say, well, I don't even know how to do it. And I'll, then I say, well, let's give it a shot. Um, you're going to be the person and we'll let so-and-so be you. And they'll say, no, I want to be me. And I'll say, no, 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 no. We want to see how it feels to be the, in the other person's shoes. So we start the role play, which isn't a role play. It's just the beginning of a conversation. And everyone realizes, I don't even know how to start this. Like, how would I do it? And what they notice is that the person playing the role of the manager carries the whole conversation and makes a, you know, like a litany of everything that the employee has done incorrectly. And then another light bulb goes off. Um, and lots of times I whisper in someone's ear <laughs> and say, try this phrase. Um, and, you know, then they, they practice it one time and then we, we do another iteration and then usually I find that after about two attempts, I'll get in and I, I'll say, well, would you like for me to try? And we start the conversation and I ask for feedback, much like a, a fishbowl. And, um, you know, I'll stop off and I'll say, I don't even know how to respond to that person. Like, help me out here, everybody. And we realize that what's going to be more helpful is to practice that conversation.
Um, and that's what people say. So we practice it and then we practice it and we practice it until the person feels more comfortable with beginning the conversation. And, you know, if we're going to have a conversation around a behavior that we want to see someone change, that we don't need to make a laundry list, we need to pick one thing that we think we can focus on. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's the beginning. But you said, how do we do it differently? I think you have to practice what you do want, not what you don't want. Hey, managers, have you ever noticed how much of your day is taken up by people problems? You could call human resources with every little personal issue. Or you could get a copy of the Essential HR Handbook. The newly revised and updated 10th anniversary edition of this bestseller is jam-packed with tools, checklists, sample forms, and timely tips to guide you through the maze of HR issues in today's complex business environment. So buy a copy of the Essential HR Handbook today. It's like having a human resources department on your desk. And now, back to the show. Well, it makes sense. And it's, I guess I think about it too. We'll prop, we'll practice anything that is important to us and we don't want to screw up. If we've got to give a presentation, we'll run through it a thousand times because we don't want to look bad. Mm -hmm. But in the case of an underperforming employee, it seems like at least what I see is two things happen. A person doesn't want to have the conversation so they avoid it or they just wing it. They just say, we'll figure it out as we go. And I don't know if your experience is like mine, but I've run across employees that are experts in being bad. I mean, that, that they live for the opportunity to make their manager feel small and they can out argue them and they can outthink them and they can outsmart them. And I think if a manager has a few of those folks, they're going to be gun shy. So it sounds like the, the idea is let's, let's give them some skill. Let's give them some practice and, and give them some confidence, right? Absolutely. And give them some insights into some of those um, defense mechanisms that we're so aware of. Um, there's, there's one example, you know, in the middle of a conversation, as you said, um, the, the, the person with whom the manager is having the conversation is very skilled at throwing out a giant red herring. And I, I keep promising I'm going to get a big plastic red herring just to flop it on the table sometime. But um, I draw a picture of a herring and we, we flop that herring down on the table because that's that normal deflection that goes on. Or gaslighting. In gaslighting, I have a picture of a gaslight, you know, and, and or some of the all or nothing sort of conversation, you know. So you're exactly right. So a manager falls into those traps um, or talks too much, you know, brings something up and then tries to fix it when they really, the underperforming employee needs to figure out what they really want. Um, recently, I had a conversation and, you know, a manager shared, you know, I've done everything. I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. And I said, you know, so let's let's walk through that. And what I found out was they had done exactly what you're talking about. They had unsuccessfully delivered a message at least 20 times. Um, and, and when we began practicing, you know, then they look at me and they say, oh, you're so good. And, you know, I look at them and I say, and you are too. 
um, you know, let's go ahead and let's practice what you do want to say. And I'll stop and I'll say, okay, so right now I'm having a really hard time. I'll do like a, a bubble over my head. Like I don't know the right word to use. And then someone will give me the word and I'll say, that's it. And then we deliver the message. And they find that what they really need to do is exactly as you said. We don't want to look bad when we give a, a presentation. And the other thing I think that people don't want to do is that they think that if you're a manager, you're supposed to know how to do this. Like just, you know, you get the title and so now you can do it. And the deal is great managers have practiced being a great manager. You know, it's both an art and a science. And, you know, each one of us comes at it from a place of, you know, being authentically and genuinely who we are as people. Um, you know, the, the, we start talking about the words that we would use. Um, and, you know, it's like if you have a conversation with an employee and you say, well, the reason why we're having a conversation today, and in the back of my head, I may be thinking, I've avoided all conversation with you for the last six months, but the organization is making me do a mid-year review with you. So now I have to do it. That's what's going on in my head. And I'll say, you know, you're, I just wanted to talk with you for a few minutes about a couple of little things that are sort of kind of bothering me. And the manager is using all sorts of minimizing words. The under underperforming employee only hears, gosh, this isn't going to be important. Um, and so we, we didn't have a meaningful conversation. But let's turn that around. Let's say that I establish a great relationship with that underperforming employee, hopefully before they become under uh, uh, underperforming. And be clear about expectations. I mean, that would be great. And so that's what people often say. Okay, so I've already got like four years of being really bad at it. How do I turn it around? Um, and I'll say, well, let's start, let's start a game plan. Like come up with four or five conversations that you've had in the last year that you thought went well and four or five that didn't go well. And let's pick a couple of those and let's really practice them just like you would if you were a stand-up comic. Stand-up comics, you know, have all kinds of routines that can just fall out of their mouths with ease because they match that person. And I said, so let's make you, you know, let's get you ready for, um, you know, if we're getting ready for a swim meet, let's get you ready for that that big race. You know, let's let's get you comfortable with that conversation so that your your full brain can be in gear. Um, and, and so what we do is we practice and, you know, the person can practice, you know, by talking to themselves, they can practice in a mirror. I really think that we need other people to help us practice delivering a message. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, I'm also a firm believer in videotaping yourself. That's what those smartphones are for. Um, it's one of the things that makes... Um, more current generations more effective and in being before a camera they know how they look um, you know so let's 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 videotape you on your phone and then look and see how that conversation went let's practice that until you feel more comfortable with the beginning of the conversation the middle part and then how to close it and let's make sure that you know 
what words don't work for you um, and what words do work for you. Um, we, we focus on that. Um, the other thing that I found really helpful, and it surprised me, is um, in the last bit of time I've worked with avatars in practicing conversations. So much like you and I are having a conversation on a podcast, what I can do is I can have ad, ad, um, avatars that are trained actors um, work with me. I can videotape myself or one of my clients. We can record it, and then that person can see how they're doing in the conversation. They've got the conversation. They can go back and fix parts of it. They can see uh, where they where they really matched, you know, where they were comfortable and genuine with who they were as people. And when they found themselves, I think what the term you used earlier, winging it. Um, and it has made a world of difference. The problem is, though, the people, managers especially, don't think they have time to practice these conversations. Uh, you know, they they say, you know, well, let's just, I'll send them an email or I'll wait and do it. Well, you know, it's funny, Anne, I'm thinking about this. And, and I think a manager could think of a thousand and one excuses of, you know, why they will not have that conversation. Meanwhile, the problem just keeps getting worse and worse. And you know, the solution is so simple, but yet... Again, the, we'll send them an email. I'll, I'll give them a mean look. I'll sigh really loud in a meeting when they say that. And it's the direct approach. But, and you don't have to be mean to do this, right? No. In fact, um, you're mean by not having the conversation. You want to set people up for success. They're, they're not clairvoyant. I, I mean, most of us take in information through hearing or seeing or doing. I've not met anyone who's telepathic. Um, so there's no way you can transmit that information. Um, and it doesn't require a great deal of time if you set up conversations and relationship, that rapport building on the front end. If you haven't done it before, then you can restart. You know, if you work with you or if a client wants to work with you or with me, you know, again, I'd say, well, give it a try. You can do weird things for six months. And and that means establishing a pattern that, of conversation that you can continue. Um, and then people will say, well, you know, that's just not me. And I'll say, okay, I get that it's not you. However, we're talking about being a great manager, not a mediocre manager and not a manager who sucks. Um how do you want to be remembered? And, and most people say, well, you know, I just don't have time for that. Um, and and, and I, I do understand that. However, I would say we don't have time not to do that. You know, knowing what someone's favorite candy bar is, and it may not be a candy bar. It may be, it may be the post-it note I was talking about, but a way to make a connection with another person that can that can make or break an employee's experience, um, knowing that your manager is there. I think too, you know, when somebody gets hired, I've never met a person that says, "Boy, I'm so lucky that you hired me. I'm absolutely the worst employee." Like you know, the commercial for the insurance, the guy's name is Mayhem, and he causes trouble everywhere. Yeah, I mean, there. I don't think any employee ever gets hired to be Mayhem. They come in because they want to make a difference, and that's why I love 
the example you gave in the first day, you know, what is the expectation? What kind of, what kind of contribution do you want to make here? And, and if that's true, then I think an employee would want to know how am I doing? And don't just tell me I'm doing great, even though I'm doing, an employee is going to know they're not doing well in a lot of things. So you're trying to establish the relationship. It seems to me, Anne, and maybe I'm wrong here, but if a manager was just to make these open conversations uh, a part of their daily practice, their lives would be a whole lot easier. Am I off in that or? Oh, I think you're, I think you're exactly on target. There are a thousand adages that say that. And, and also it's a genuine, it's a genuine way of doing it. You know, making contact with people, um, setting expectations, being clear about them is much easier than retrospectively going back and saying you've screwed up in the, you know, in the first 90 days that you've been with this organization, um, you know, set them up for success early, you know, onboard them. And if you, if you can't onboard them, then why did you bring them on board? Because it's very costly to bring a, a team member on board. And that's where I think a lot of managers don't see that part of it. But, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking a lot of the groups that we work with is the HR professionals. And, I, and I'm telling you, if you're listening to this and you're a manager, if you want to make your HR business partner just over the moon, go in there and say, hey, I've got this issue with this employee and I'm going to have a conversation about that. And I was wondering if I could run my script by you and have you help me role play it. Your HR business partner will drop everything they're doing and say, well, you've just made my day because the average manager won't do that. They'll just ignore it. And then HR gets involved later. And by then the thing has grown arms and legs. So you've got, if you've got an HR rep in your organization, you have a, a partner. We always tell them, that we tell our managers, look, your HR business partner is your tag team partner. They're there to bail you out of trouble, but they're not going to do all the wrestling for you. And I know you know this because I know you're a fan of professional <laughs> wrestling living in East Tennessee. So I know you can relate to that. You know, your your mayor, by the way, happens to be a professional wrestler. I don't know if Kane, you that. I do know. Yeah. Okay. See, I knew it. Now the truth comes out. Yeah. yeah. I saw him at a Vols game uh, last season, but I don't know how we got off on that topic. Except to say, and you've, you've given us a lot of great information. The one thing that I'm guessing every manager could use is training on how to do this. So as we wind down our time together, I was hoping you could share what resources that you can offer our listeners in helping them get the skill and the confidence to have these open conversations. How do we reach out to you? Um, the, there are a couple of ways. Uh, the... My website is lmrconsulting.org and 865-806-5988 is the firm's phone number. Those are the best ways to reach out to me. The other resources that um, I will I will offer is, you know, working with me or yourself or one of the other team members at Boss Builders is a great way to get started. Um, lots of references and books. The most important first step, though, is to do that reflection. What are four or five conversations that you've had? can be personal. It can be work that have gone really well. Um, four or five conversations in the last six months to nine months, and then four or five conversations that didn't go so well. So pick the ones that you as a manager think you'd like to practice, um, and let's get started. 
And if you haven't had a conversation in the last six months, you really need to call Anne and change <laughs> it on her calendar, right? Now. <laughs> now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, Anne, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you travel a lot. We talked about that earlier, and you happen to be in town today. I'm glad we could catch up. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on open conversations, and we look forward to hearing from you. And if you are going to be doing a Boss Builder Workshop, cross your fingers and cross your toes that Anne is going to be the one facilitating. Thanks, Mac. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast. You know, if you're listening to these as you are commuting to and from work, I would highly recommend you listen again when you get home just so you can take some notes. We do our best to get you great information. And sometimes if you're like me, you got to write the stuff down. On another note, for your further development, if you work for an organization and you think that it would be valuable to partner with us, which I think is a good idea, we invite you to check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We have three options, our signature driving results on-site workshop, which our trainers come out and deliver for you. We also have our very popular Boss Builder Academy, which is video driven. And we also offer the option of having your organization license our training materials so that your trainers can go ahead and deliver them on-site. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher, the other thing we'd appreciate is if you could just take a moment and leave us a brief, positive, of course, review. That would really help us out a great deal. And refer this podcast to anybody you know that you think could benefit from it. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up, boss on, and more importantly, make a commitment to being the boss at being a great boss. Goodbye.